With the Dallas Stars opener just days away, new goalie Braden Holtby joins us to preview the season and talk about his farm upbringing shaped him as a person. And you won't want to miss Aaron Colton of Red Bull Racing. He stops by to talk about the upcoming Red Bull show run in downtown Dallas, and he gives us step-by-step instructions on how to do a no-hands wheelie on a motorcycle. Finally, Cowboys insider Jean-Jacques Taylor breaks down the Cowboys' hot start and offers some mentally tough download ideas. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everyone. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, along with Marcus Carr, who I'm happy to say has been promoted from next level in turn to next level Tony Faye PR staffer. Monica, do you think we have to you know, buy Mar- Marcus a gift or are, you think congratulations are in order? Oh, I think a big congratulations are in order. I- I'm not sure we would be where we are here on this podcast if it wasn't for Marcus and uh, everything that he's contributed. So yeah, we probably do owe him maybe a nice lunch or a dinner or um, maybe maybe hockey tickets since you know he still hasn't been to that NHL game. So we'll have to work on that in the next uh, upcoming weeks, months. Yeah. Or maybe maybe a gift card for the Mike Drop uh, gift shop. Oh, Might absolutely. A, a now good, we're good talking. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks everybody for listening. This is episode 34. Now, Monica, episode 34 is personal for me because at the risk of alerting cyber criminals everywhere, 34 is my favorite number, my lucky number, my go-to number. I wore it in sports growing up, uh, and here's why. My dad, uh, the late Tim Sullivan, awesome guy, big sports fan, uh, worked for John Hancock, and he had a uh, colleague through John Hancock who was in, lived in, in South Dakota and knew the Los Angeles Rams running back, Les Josephson, who played college ball at Augustana College in South Dakota. And one, one year when I, I was eight or nine, I got a, a letter in the mail from Les Josephson, an actual letter with an autographed picture to me with a really cool inscription. And so I started paying attention to number 34, Les Josephson. That year, he actually tore his Achilles, missed most of the season. Then I was told through Bus Reeves, my dad's friend in South Dakota, that the next time Les Josephson scored a touchdown as he crossed the goal line. He was going to say, this one's for Kevin Sullivan. Now, as I grew up, I realized that that probably didn't actually happen, but it was my own personal uh, moment, like in, like in Pride of the Yankees when Lou Gehrig promises little Billy in the hospital, uh, you know, two home runs. Uh, so I love the number 34. This is my lucky number. I know this will be good luck for this, uh, for this episode. When we think of locals, you know, my Mavericks days, uh, the original Mavericks, the first one to wear this th- number 34 for the Mavericks was Austin Carr. Uh, he got traded. He got sold to Washington uh, eight games in. Jim Spinarkle wore it, one of the most popular early Mavericks, even predating Brad Davis. So 34 was a good number there. Of course, Cornell Green, great player with the Cowboys. Herschel Walker, so instrumental in all those draft picks that led to those 90 Super Bowls. But I'm going to go with a Texas Rangers pitcher who wore number 34 for our dedication this week. Now, you're thinking, and all of our listeners are thinking, we're talking about Nolan Ryan. Not so fast. I'm talking about number 34, Dale Mahorsen, who in 1986 was a 31-year-old rookie for the Rangers and would go on to appear as a reliever in a major league record 13 consecutive games 
in August of 1986. Now, there were always whispers that Mohorsik was doctoring the ball. They checked him a few times, never caught him red-handed. The Rangers uh, traded him to the Yankees for Cecilio Guante in 88, I believe, and his career was over a couple years later. But he had – our listeners who are maybe 50 and older will remember those, those uh, kind of late 80s years with Dale Mohorsik holding down the bullpen. Uh, moving on, Monica, your Longhorns are back in the top 25 at number 21. Oh, yes. Exciting uh, weekend this past week, although they kept it maybe a little bit closer than I would have uh, liked. So big weekend coming up for us. Uh, Texas OU, one of my favorite weekends of, of the year. OU ranked number six, undefeated so far. Um, you know, looking for that so Longhorn. Far. So far. Yep. Uh, that's going to change on, on Saturday. Um, it, it, and yeah, quite honestly, I don't know. Maybe our season is over after after this weekend, but uh, I, I hope that's not the case. I'm I'm looking for a burn, burn orange win, uh, big win uh, by SMU. They're also ranked in the top 25, I think 21, uh, playing at Navy this weekend. So last weekend was a all around great uh, great football weekend. Texas wins, SMU wins, good Cowboy win. Uh, so we're kind of riding high at the moment. Yeah, we'll try to keep it rolling. Uh, Mic drop moment for sure goes to Jason Kidd for earning his degree in English online through Phoenix University. Uh, he said it was inspired uh, by a commercial for Phoenix University that Larry Fitzgerald, the former Cardinals great wide receiver, was in. Uh, pretty cool at age 48. He told our friend Brad Townsend of the Morning News that, that this achievement is right up there with his Mavericks championship in 2011 and his two Olympic gold medals. And he wanted to be a good example. And he said he will no longer have to shake the question, did you get your degree? So way to go, Jay Kidd. Monica, what's happening at the Dallas Sports Commission? Well, a lot of still World Cup planning uh, as we approach the 23rd and 24th of October for our FIFA World Cup site visits. Uh, we actually head to Austin tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk to some Texas legislators and those in the Capitol about this great opportunity, not only for Dallas, uh, but for Houston as well. So we're hoping to, at this point, bring the World Cup to Texas, and then we'll uh, shake out uh, if both of us cities uh, win or if it's uh, just, just one of us, and hopefully Dallas is on that list. So uh, a lot of planning, a lot of cool things that we're, we're planning while uh, FIFA's in town. Obviously, Texas OU, College Game Day being here, pretty special. Uh, WWE WrestleMania should hear some announcements coming soon there, uh, and, and an opportunity maybe the first yeah, well will be the first opportunity uh, for WWE fans to purchase tickets for WrestleMania coming up in uh, 2022. Amen. So um, a lot of opportunities there. Some of my staff just got back into town from a conference, uh, one of the the largest sports tourism conferences last week. Uh, so a lot of new opportunities, new sports. Uh, coming down the pike here for us uh, to to be able to bid on for 2022 and beyond. Well, speaking of new opportunities, we're going to be back in a moment to talk with Aaron Colton about the upcoming Red Bulls Red Bull Show race that's coming to town on the 16th. We've had some cool guests on the show, Monica, but after watching Aaron Aaron's uh, YouTube videos and spending a little time on his Instagram feed, I don't know if we've had anybody this cool or this uniquely talented. So. Looking forward to this conversation. We've also got new stars goalie, Braden Hopi. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rach. It is a pleasure to be joined by Aaron Colton. This is one of the 
greatest freestyle stunt motorcycle riders on the planet. Uh, I, I love you. And I've written a lot of bios in my life, uh, Aaron, as a PR guy. I've never written the following sentence. He first stepped onto the scene with freakish talent, a large set of balls, and taste of flamboyance as a 14-year-old. So I thought that was that was really cool. He's got 177,000 Instagram followers. He rides and performs all around the world. You got to check out his YouTube channel. He's here to talk to us about the Red Bull Racing Show Run that takes place in Dallas for the first time on October 16th. It all happens in the Harwood District downtown. A four-hour event, family-friendly in a festival atmosphere. Aaron, welcome to the mic drop. Thank you. I mean, I got to say, I'm pretty happy that I don't write those either, but it doesn't feel too bad to hear it secondhand. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, thank you for joining um, us. Um, you know, this is a, a unique for event for us. The Red Bull Racing has done these show runs throughout the world. Um, and a lot of people, when they hear Formula One, they're, you know, anticipating that this is a, a track through, through downtown and there's a lot of cars that are going to be racing. So talk us through what this four-hour event on October 16th from 10 a.m. To, to 2 p.m., what can people expect? Why should they, what will they see and why should they show up? You know, F1, as far as racing goes, is the pinnacle of racing across the entire world stage. But a lot of what comes with that is that it's a big ticket weekend to bring a family out to watch a race. And uh, within that, the thing that's amazing about the F F1 show run is the fact that that is a come one, come all open event that's just held to promote the race itself. So unlike uh, an F1 run that's at a track or something of that nature, you're going to be able to actually experience that with the top teams, one of which being Red Bull Racing brings out their Honda Show car, which is the same that they race the following weekend in Austin. And you literally get an up close, you know, touch and feel of the whole ambiance of the tire changes, the pit crews operating the vehicle, the top race car drivers in the world and brought to a place like downtown Dallas. Well, I, I know this is very important for, for the city of Dallas. Uh, I've been in uh, conversations and discussions with city officials. And, you know, we sometimes have a challenge on street racing here within uh, within Dallas and, and the public. Uh, uh, so there will be a heavy campaign there for, for the city of Dallas to, you know, try to eliminate street racing uh, for, from the public. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, kids and the opportunity for, for them to take part. Uh, I'm anticipating a, a lot of different activations out there, uh, uh, some meet and greets. Uh, I, I, I know some of the, well, the driver that's going to be, that's going to be out there. So should be an exciting time for, for all of Dallas. And I have to commend Red Bull, uh, racing. They do a, these show runs, you know, all throughout the world. So very excited that it's here in Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've been lucky enough to be invited to perform at multiple ones throughout. I've been to Miami now, Los Angeles, Mexico City. It's a really cool event they put on. I myself, it wasn't quite in the cards to become an auto racing driver, but I did a <laughs> professional road course racing on two wheels. And then my freestyle career flourished throughout that period. So I'm actually just doing freestyle demo exhibitions in between the show runs. So you're going to get to see more than just the F1 cars going. They're going to bring out a couple different demo activations that Red Bull brings to these large circuit events to downtown Dallas. So you perform at 1030, if I have that uh, correct. Is that right? Yes, I perform at 1030 and then it will be intermittently between the show car runs um, throughout the run of show. Okay, and we should be able to expect uh, exotic car parades and uh, a lot of, uh, it looks like very exciting stuff. So we'll, we'll be down there from a sports commission standpoint, uh, cheering you on. Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys get a good seat. Now, Aaron, I had to find this on YouTube to believe it, but one of the things you do when you perform is a no-handed wheelie. 
Yes, yeah. sir. How, how do you do that? Well, I mean, the bell curve is steep at the bottom. Uh, and there's definitely many years that lead up into that point in time. But on a technical basis, how that happens is you first learn how to do a wheelie at a stable and slow point, um, which for many, that's something that'll never happen. But for someone in the motorsports field, they might get to that point. And then where you have a throttle, if you could think hypothetically, the throttle would lock in a certain point. Um, I have a, what's called an idle screw, which goes directly into the throttle body. So I can turn the throttle manually so that it's stop point is still open. So that when I'm doing a wheelie and I am no hands or what the case is, I actually am controlling the throttle by it's locked at a fixed point. So you still have to ride the brake and balance with your body. Um, but on technical terms, that's how it's completed. What is it like to do a trick for the very first time? Like not knowing a hundred percent if you're, if you can actually pull this off. It's definitely harder than the second time for <laughs> sure. It's, it's one of those things because you know, it, it, it's kind of difficult to explain because you get to a certain level of rider confidence where you kind of know what's graspable next. And some of that comes throughout creativity and some of that comes throughout seeing what other people in your field are able to do. So that obviously knocks down the possibility. If you've seen it done, you know, it's possible. Um, but there's definitely a workup point to it, or there's even a workup point where, you know, you do so many variations of different maneuvers and you eventually even forget ones that you learned say years ago and then reintroducing them. It's the same deal. You haven't done it in so long. And it's like, it's just like anything. If you golf or something of that nature and put the clubs away for a couple of years, like you still know how to swing the club when you pick it back up, but it might not be the direction you're looking to go. Um, so there's that kind of embracement period of having, having and needing that confidence to complete it. But there's a slight bit of exhilaration because you definitely still do have that chance with anything that it's not going to go exactly as anticipated. You know, as we do this interview, you're sitting, it looks like you're in your shop and there's tools behind you and you're not just a, an athlete, not just a, a, a rider. You like to strip the bikes down and build them back up, right? You're, you're a mechanic as well, it seems like. Yeah, and at, and at this point, concept designer. Um, it's, it's continuously grown from, it started off maintaining my own motorcycles. And then it started that I had larger needs than I could find others to complete. So then it started building my own motorcycles. And fast forward a couple of years, I now have my own YouTube series with Red Bull, where I purchase, build, and design motorcycles of different categories to compete at them in various events across the nation and then soon to be in the next series worldwide. Um, so that's definitely been a, a, something that I love very much because the gratification you get from competing on the equipment that you design and build is definitely more than I've ever had before. And it's been fun to bring people with along on that journey. And I actually have a new episode that comes out here on the 10th. We will check it out. You have ridden all around the world. The, the YouTube video from the Philippines is a must watch. That is crazy. There's another cool one from Bolivia. Is there anywhere, I guess this is a two-parter. Is there anywhere that you want to ride that you haven't yet? And is there any place too dangerous or some stunt you wouldn't try? Oh, the, the list of places I would like to ride is absolutely endless. Cause I've even been to places and countries and had incredible rides and adventures that I really didn't experience the whole gamut because of the time that I had. Um, but you know, within reason, some things coming up that I'd really looking forward to is Northern India. Like there's some incredible riding in Northern India that I think is pretty untapped and unseen. And I'd like to bring the viewer along with, for that adventure. I really like riding and adventuring throughout Southeast Asia but some places I haven't spent much time is uh, riding in, in both Thailand and Vietnam. And there's an incredible community out there. It's not just the aspirational hobbyist community. It's very much so a necessity and way of life. 
And, uh, you know, those are some places that in the near future here, I'm looking to uh, bring my series and projects to, to, to continuously show the world through a little bit different light, um, inspire doers that, you know, pretty much if you, at this point in time, DIY, if you have uh, enough inspiration and motivation, you can make a lot of things happen. And um, we're going to start taking the show on the road and bring it to places like that that not many people have seen. The, the, uh, the thing that appealed to me in, in just following your online life was that there's this element of joy and gratitude, it seemed like to me, that I noticed in everything that you do. You're always happy. Uh, and and I, I guess for the fans that come out on the 16th in Dallas and they see you do these the performances that you're going to do in between the, 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 the uh, Red Bull uh, runs, uh, you know, what will they see and will they pick up on that element of, of, of joy that just seems to permeate everything you do? You know, I would hope so because luck only favors those who are prepared. And at this point in time, I'm incredibly thankful for everything that I've received in my career. And I'm also at the point where I don't look at anybody else participating in my field of play as a competitor because I'm achieving exactly what I would like to achieve. And there's no reason I shouldn't be happy and try to pay that forward and inspire those who have the same opportunity skill set that I did when I was younger. Um, because when it comes down to it, like I ride motorcycles for a living. Um, and regardless of what discipline it is, that seems like an almost impossible feat. So there's no reason but not to be thankful and happy about it. So if I can bring that with along with my activations, that's equally as important piece and part of the program. So Aaron, in, in mainstream sports, we kind of know what, what happens when, when a kid is younger, starts playing multiple sports, maybe then uh, pick yeah. their sport and continue on. How, I think you started riding it too, how did you gravitate toward uh, more motorsports and um, was your, were your parents like hesitant about this at all through, throughout your career? You know, I thankfully had supportive parents within supporting whatever it was that I was going to make my endeavors in. And I did a lot of the traditional sports as well, as far as young teens from football, basketball, track and field, cross country, hockey, growing up in Minnesota, it was something sports wise, always like athleticism was something I was looking to find my outlet in, but didn't quite find it there. Or maybe I didn't invest the bandwidth there. Um, but I did have a deep, deep love for motorcycles, not just as an interest, but I finally got to the point that even though I started riding when I was younger, um, when I was 13, 12 going on 13, I had a serious opportunity. I'm sorry about that. I had a serious opportunity to start practicing and riding often. And I want to be able to do that without the support of my parents, but it also wasn't done in a non-disciplined manner. I had started to see that there was a sport that I wanted to participate in specifically. Um, and I wanted to train for that. So it was regimented to a certain degree, 12 going on 13. I was spending four to five days a week, riding three to four hours a day at minimum. And quickly after that started the competition. And we didn't know exactly where we were going at first because I was adapting and growing in my field of play at the same time as trying to figure out what the avenue of success would be. Um, but that road continued quite quickly. And as I started gaining confidence on some of the smaller motorcycles I was riding. I started riding some of the larger motorcycles that you may see commonly on the street. Um, and within that is when I started entering the national championship and um, had quite a big windfall at a young age. And the, the, for me, things and the effort I invested paid off really, really early because at the age of 14, was it 14? And then again, 15, I won the national championship in my sport. So at that point in time, I realized that it was definitely achievable and I could continuously uh, excel. And that was when I, 
uh, brought on the partnership of Red Bull and took a better understanding that it isn't just what you can do in your field of play competitively. And there's many more avenues and outlets that you could participate in within to grow. And that was something for me that was a really cool experience and fast forward all the way now, been with the brand for 13 years. And uh, I'm coming out to Dallas to participate in F1 show run. And then we'll follow up to do exhibitions with Formula One in Austin the weekend after. Well, Aaron, we're very, very excited to be welcoming you to Dallas here in the, in the upcoming weeks. Um, I urge everyone to head out to the Harwood District, downtown Dallas, on October 16th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I think Aaron and Red Bull are going to have a fantastic show for you and uh, introduce you to Formula One and other things that, uh, from a motorsport standpoint, that we get, don't get a chance to see a lot around here in Dallas. So, Aaron, looking forward to meeting you in the coming weeks, and thank you for joining us on the mic drop. Awesome. Thank you guys for your time. I look forward to seeing you guys out in the square and uh, it's going to be a great demo. So make sure to stop by, shake hands. I'd love to meet you guys. And I'm just excited to get back out to another event. It's quite a refreshing 2021 compared to last year. So can't wait. I couldn't agree and it's more. it's free of charge. Yes, absolutely. That's the, I mean, I got to say that's the biggest draw. If you get, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, but if you can get to see F1 cars riding for free, you can't pass that opportunity up because you're looking at quite a high ticket price per head per head to go to any one of these races. So definitely it's worth it to make the effort to come out on the 16th. All right. We'll look forward to seeing you on the 16th. And now over to Rachel from a word from our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events, whether it be final fours, winter classics, pro drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Fired up to be joined by New Stars goaltender Braden Holpe, heading into his 10th season. Signed with the Stars as a free agent in July after one year with Vancouver. Course spent his first eight seasons with the Caps, where he won the Vezina Trophy in 2016, the Stanley Cup in 2018, played multiple All-Star games, a native of Lloydminster, Saskatchewan. Braden, welcome to Dallas, and welcome to the mic drop. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Uh, you went the distance last night, a nice, uh, a nice win for the Stars in preseason, 3-1 over the Blues, your second strong outing. How are you settling in with, the, uh, with your new teammates and new coaches? Yeah, it's been good. It's been uh, nice to have a normal training camp again, for sure. Um, it's uh, you know, it seems like a, a great group of guys. Um, obviously, extremely talented, and um, you know it's been fun to just get a, to get to know everyone, get kind of a grasp of what we're trying to accomplish, and um, uh, I'm trying to find my, my part in it. And um, you know, it's been uh, obviously only uh, the start of it, a couple weeks in, but um, it's been really good so far. How has your uh, your your Stanley Cup winning experience helped in the early going here? Are you going to bring bring that to the to the table? I you know there's other guys. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Sagan won a cup early in his career with the Bruins, but uh, how important is that for a team trying to break through that they have a couple of guys that have been there? Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty veteran veteran group um, to start with, so um, I don't think I need to to come in and and. Uh, be that vocal about anything. There's a lot of guys who've been very successful and had long, successful careers. I think uh, uh, my experience is, is more, um, you know, throughout a year, there's little things you can do here and there. Um, uh, 
try and do your part in those ways. Um, but it's, it's mainly just showing up to the rink every day, know what it takes to, to have success and to win. And that, uh, that's kind of that, um, day in, day out kind of attitude to, to make sure you're the hardest, hardest working person on the ice to, to push the team forward that way. You know, given the, the three goaltenders already on the roster, there were some raised eyebrows when, when you signed, but here at the mic drop, we have a saying in Jim nil, we trust. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast. We've had him on one of the smartest guys in hockey. And in, in, uh, as far as I, as far as I see it, uh, but the media is now trying to handicap the, the competition, uh, you know, with you Ottinger and Hudobin, Ben obviously coming off a, a, a year where he, where he suffered a knee injury and had surgery. What have the coaches told you about the competition? How are you are approaching it? I mean, I've asked too many questions. I'm just trying to um, make sure my game is ready to go at the start of the year, um, to do whatever I can to, to help win games. Um, I think it's kind of went to show in the, the last few years that uh, goaltending depth is, is be, becoming a, an extremely, uh, you know, it's a necessity in order to, to have a strong team and make the playoffs when you're, um, you know, only you know, a couple points here and there. So um, I don't think it's uncommon for, for teams to, to not rely on just one guy um, anymore. So um, my main focus is I just, you know, every opportunity I get to play, I just want to help this team win. I've been fortunate to attend eight of the last nine winter classics, including the one uh, here at the Cotton Bowl, which, you, you know, you just missed. You were, uh, you know, just a, a year too late, but, one of my favorites was the 2015 one in DC. Uh, part of it was Billy Idol was there, and part of it was your mask. You know, you had Uncle Sam, and when I saw it, I thought this is really cool that uh, you know Canadian guy put Uncle Uncle Sam on the mask, obviously playing for the Caps. But but uh, what do you remember? There was a victory. Uh, it was really an exciting game. It was one of the better games, uh, you know, in the Winter Classic series uh, with a with a late goal, if I recall, by, by Brower that 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 put the Caps in the win column. Uh, talk a little bit about, about the, first of all, how did you come up with the mask and how did, how does that, how long does that take and what's the process? And, you know, just what are those big outdoor events uh, like to participate in? Yeah, the, the mask, mask was actually, um, it was an idea from our, uh, uh, our video coach there, um, Brett Leonard, uh, Ole Kolzig had a, a mask exactly like it uh, really early in his career. And, and uh, I don't know if we were trying to make Ole feel old, but he was, he was classic now or, or not, but uh, um, Ole is a big part of that organization and, and it's helped me a ton through, through my career. So it was kind of a, a tribute to him more than anything. Um, but no, those, those games are fun. They're, they're hard. Um, there's a lot of different things that you have to deal with to, to have success in those games because it's, it's not uh, a normal arena you're playing in. There's, um, a whole bunch of different media and, and things going up, you know, leading up to it. And, um, so it's a, they're challenging, but that, in that challenge, it's, a, it's, a, it's really fun. Um, but, uh, to win it is, is the main thing because it's not quite the experience if you're the home team and lose those, those situations. So, uh, but no, that, uh, the league does a great job in those events and, and, uh, I was just fortunate to be a part of one. Yeah. My, uh, my daughter, Jenny is getting married on October 16th and her fiance is a, is a former hockey player. Didn't make it to the NHL, but he was a right winger was a, was a good player in his day. His name is QV tech. And he, he has always told me he never understood goalies. Like why would somebody volunteer to, you know, stand in front of a frozen rubber missile going 85 to hundred miles an hour 
you know, 30, 40 times a night. So how did you end up in goal? Why did, why did you, why were you one of those guys that raised their hand and said, I'll do it? Yeah, well, I suck you in early with the, the fancy gear and the, the <laughs> painted helmets, you know, it sucks you in as a kid, you're really intrigued. And then you hit a point where you're like, why, why did I sign up for this? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Um, but no, my, my dad was a goalie growing up. So he just kind of want to be like dad um, when you're young and then, uh, you know, you get fascinated with the position and all the, the crazy stuff with the, with the gear and the colors and it's all flashy. And then you, you realize what kind of a, a mental struggle it is as a, as a position you know, later on when you've already made that decision. So, Braden, during your Caps days, uh, you and your wife, Brandy, launched uh, Get Off the Bench for Racial Equality and Auction Benefiting Black Lives Matter DC and the uh, Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. Uh, do you have any similar plans here for Dallas? Uh, it's it's hard right now, um, just because he, I've I've always thought in order to to do something that's you know meaningful and, and worthwhile, you need to to be able to to sink your teeth in into it and um, you know, hopefully I'm here for long enough, uh, where we can do something like that. But, but as of now, it's, it's, uh, um, we don't want to start something and only have to do it, you know, halfway. So, um, you know, hopefully join, join up with something that, that's already started here and there. But, uh, yep. as far as us, I think, um, uh, not this year, hopefully in the future. Marty Turco will put you to work. That's for sure. With the foundation. Perfect. Oh yeah, per that'd be perfect marriage right there to get you integrated into other community uh, initiatives. So, um, Braden, when you signed with the Stars, you talked about the American Airlines Center being, uh, you know, a loud building and a great place to play. Uh, did that factor into your decision at all to to come to Dallas? Yeah, it does. I think um, I think a season is long. You know, eighty-two games is a long season, and if you're playing home games in front of a um, an energetic crowd, one that's going to kind of drag you through those dog days. Um, that's what makes a big difference. And I know always playing here is, it was always energetic, you know, there's a, you know, a focus on a fan experience and, and, um, creating energy in, in the building. And, um, you know, throughout my career being on the road team here, I never really had that much success. So, um, figured I might as well get on the other side of things, you know, <laughs> even though a little bit. So, uh, but no, it's, it's always been a, a place where, you know, I think everyone in the league, you know, respects coming in here because it's a, it's a fun, fun atmosphere. One that, uh, is not hard to get up, up for and to, to put on a good show. Well, I know, I know a lot of stars, uh, fans that are excited for the, for the season and, and to see everyone on the ice. Um, <clears throat> this, this question kind of hit home for me a little bit, but, uh, you grew up on a farm with 900 cows and an infant amount of grain. Um, I hear, how did your upbringing, Im upbringing influence you as an athlete and as a person? I, I grew up in a small town on a farm. I don't think we had 900 cows quite, but, uh, what did that, uh, experience kind of shape you as a person today? Yeah, it's, um, as you know, like where, where I'm from, prairie lifestyle is kind of that way. It's, uh, um, you know, something that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, you know, to learn that work ethic and that, uh, respect for your, um, for your trade and your craft. Um, that was something that was always instilled from my parents down in that, uh, small town community, I think is, uh, um, taught me a lot about being on a, you know, on a team and the respect you need on a team in order to work, 
um, because if you don't, uh, if you can't rely on your neighbor out there, you're kind of hooped. So, um, uh, you know, those, those small town morals are, are something that, uh, you know, I, I believe has, has helped me along the way. Um, you know, it's difficult, obviously, moving from a small town like that in the big city. There's some, there's some stumbling blocks along the way, but, uh, um, yeah, I think those, uh, the underlying morals and, 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 uh, lessons you learn from, from that lifestyle, um, can really help you, uh, you know, succeed. Yep. I, I, even though Dallas is a huge city, you know, you will find that people are hospitable and have some of those small town, uh, values, uh, before we let you go. Right yeah, that's good. No, good to hear. Before we let you go, when you won the cup, uh, with the caps in 2018, did you bring the cup? What did you do with the cup on your day that you had it? Did you bring it back to your hometown? Yeah, brought, brought it back to my hometown. We brought it to the um, local rink that I, I grew up playing in and then, then brought it to the family farm and um, took it to my, um, my sister's veterinarian back home, so took it to her, her clinic there. And um, then we just had a little lake house out there. So it was, it was great. It was the probably the best thing about winning is being able to bring it home to, to that uh, um, small town, which had never, never won one before. And um see a lot of old faces that helped you along the way to get there that you hadn't seen in a long time. So um, I think that's an amazing thing that the NHL does is let players and, and staff and management do that because it's uh, um, really kind of brings you back to earth and, and, and realize why you do it. Well, we're glad you're here for sure, uh, Braden, and good luck with your prep for the season and all the best uh, uh, for this year for a great season with the Stars. And thanks again for joining us here on the Mic Drop. Thanks a lot for having me. Okay, Sully, it's really my favorite new event here in Dallas. Join the Perot Museum of Nature and Science every Thursday for Thursdays on Tap. Experience a museum after hours with a 21-plus crowd, and you'll enjoy live music, drinks, and food trucks. Plus, you get full access to exhibits all night long. It's the perfect date night. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Welcome to the Mic Drop, longtime Cowboys insider, Jean-Jacques Taylor. Jacques was a Longtime Dallas Morning News Cowboys beat writer and columnist. In fact, he's the only person in the history of the paper to go from being an intern to being a columnist. Pretty cool. Was an ESPN columnist. This is one of the best guys to talk to in the Dallas media. Really cool guy. Now the proprietor of the JJT Media Group, co-host of the Jam Session podcast, which covers the Cowboys like a blanket. Jack, I subscribed today, so I'm in. Oh, and of course, fantastic. And a major Ohio State Buckeye fan, so he's got that going on. So welcome to the mic drop, uh, Jacques. Thanks, Sully. So what's the uh, – give us your take. Everybody's excited about the Cowboys with with good reason, would you say? Yeah, I think this is um, – they've actually got it. I've said this a few times over the last few days because I've been trying to marinate on it and make sure it's right. They've actually got a good team this year. And they've got a good team for a couple of reasons. One, their offense is dynamic. Um, it's really good. So that's offense, okay? Defense, we thought, let's keep it real. We thought they're going to be trash most of the year. But what happened is, and this is why I always say sports is fluid, which means what's true today might not be true this afternoon, tomorrow, next week, next month. What happened is Trayvon Diggs is playing at an all-pro level. Nobody saw that coming. Micah Parsons, when they drafted him, was like, okay, he's a first-round pick. Let's see what he does. Well, he's playing at a defensive rookie of the year level, which um, I don't think a lot of people saw coming the day that they drafted him. 
And then Randy Gregory is kind of playing like they thought Randy Gregory would play when they drafted him in 2015, which of course he's never done until now. So if you got three legitimate playmakers at every level of your defense and you surround them with solid players, not even good players, just solid guys, they raise everybody else up and now your defense is serviceable. And then the last component is on offense, yeah, they're dynamic. Okay, that's cool. But Zeke doesn't care that Tony Pollard gets extra carries or is taking some of his carries away and is having a great year. Amari Cooper doesn't care that CeeDee Lamb catches a certain number of passes or gets targeted a certain amount of time. And ironically enough, I was, I was literally glancing at the stats today for something else I was working on. And I think CeeDee Lamb had 22 catches, Amari had 20, Dalton Schultz had 20. And that just tells you Dak is just throwing to whoever's open. And so when you got that unselfish element on an explosive offense and you got a defense that's got some playmakers and your leader is a guy like Dak, who everybody in the locker room follows. I haven't seen a guy like that really since Troy. And that's no knock on Romo. That's just what it is. Then you have a chance, a chance to have a special season. Well, I'm impressed how they were able to turn it around pretty quickly here. Were you surprised of the news this week of of Jalen Smith? I mean, we had him on the pod uh, with uh, Abner Haynes. Uh, Great conversation there. So uh, we were a little shocked yesterday uh, when when the news came out. Um, I think everybody was shocked by the timing uh, because you figure at this point in the year, he's probably safe. But if you look at the bigger picture, you, you you wouldn't really be surprised like, there was a lot of talk going into the season about whether he was going to get cut on the final cut because he made so much money because it didn't seem to be a role for him. And then once the season started and you go, Oh, Michael Parsons is that dude. Um, Keanu Neal is really going to play linebacker instead of safety. They're really going to be in a nickel defense, which is three defensive backs, 65, 70% of the time. So they're only playing two linebackers. Leighton Vanderish is really the key backup because um, Jalen's not good in coverage. Then it becomes, and Jalen doesn't play special teams. It's like, okay, he makes $9 million. What does he do? And the answer is really not a whole lot. And so when you throw in the fact that if he got hurt, his salary for next season was going to be guaranteed, I think it just became a point where they go, we got some young guys who are ready to take that role that Jalen had if we need him. We're not interested in him getting hurt and costing us $9 million against the cap next year. And so let's just make that move. But I shed not a lot of tears for Jalen because he did get 35 million guarantee. Now, and he's got a great story. A lot of people didn't know if he'd ever come back and play after that horrific knee injury at Notre Dame. He started, he went to a pro bowl, he got paid. And so the NFL has always been a dirty game, but it's a little cleaner if you've gotten paid. You know, I know he will continue to do all the things that he does uh, to support black entrepreneurs and young people. He's a great mentor. And I know he'll keep that rolling no matter where his next stop is, or if there's another stop for him. But one more quick question on the Cowboys, uh, Jack, when you talk about this uh, unselfish attitude and this positive vibe throughout the whole team, why is that? Is it you know, these individual players? Is it McCarthy, Colin Moore, Dan Quinn? Why, why the difference in that this year? Okay. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw it out there like this. Now, I've been covering the Cowboys way back since 1995, all right, in one way, shape, form, or another. And the reality of it is you can't, you can't create chemistry like this. It just happens, and it happens because 
Dak is that kind of guy. Amari is that kind of guy. Zeke is that kind of guy. And if your best players are those types of guys, then it's easy for it to infiltrate everybody else. Because if you're not a guy like that, everybody looks at you like, dude, what's your problem? Like somebody after, uh, I think it was the, the uh, let me see. I think it was the win over Philadelphia. I think. Somebody asked Amari Cooper, hey, you only got targeted four times. How you feel about that? And he said, it'd be awfully selfish of me to stand here, stand up here and complain about four targets after we won a game by 20. Um, but the biggest guy is Dak. And Dak is the rarest of rare leaders. And that's because Dak, um, I mean, he's really the rarest of rare leaders because he can get along with offensive players, with defensive players, with stars, with scrubs, with um, black players, with white players. He can listen to hip hop and R&B. He can listen to heavy metal and uh, hard rock. He can go anywhere in the locker room and get a conversation going. And the, the number of people who can do that on a team is usually one or none. And luckily for them, it's their quarterback. And he sets the tone for everybody because he's genuinely, authentically a good dude. There's a lot of fake good dudes out there. There's a lot of dudes that want to be good, good guys. But he is literally, authentically a good dude. Uh, Jacques, you, you, we, I mentioned you started as an intern. Uh, I'm going to introduce you here to Marcus Carr. He started as an intern. He just got promoted by Tony Fay PR to be a, a, a real in a real full time position. So congrats to Marcus. Well deserved. And he's got a question for you. You taught, we Sully introduced you as as Ohio State's uh, long, you know, diehard. What, what is your football take on them right now? Oh, now I like to now you know Sully's my guy, but I like to make sure I'm a fan. But I got a sheepskin. I'm a graduate. I got sweat equity. I'm not just a fan. I got sweat equity. Uh, I made the dean's list one quarter. I was on academic probation about ten quarters, but I got my paper. Uh, I think uh, the problem with Ohio State is uh, if there's a problem, it's, and I, I was talking to some friends of mine about this. If you look at college football at the start of the year, Ohio State had an unproven quarterback. Clemson had an unproven quarterback. Texas had one. A&M had one. Alabama had one. A couple, a couple other teams had them. And so how your quarterback goes is a lot of ways how your team is going to go if they're unproven, whether they're true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, or, or, or just starting for the first time. And so uh, they had a little bit of problem, just a little bit of problem on offense, but their bigger problem was their defense. Their defense was trash. Uh, it was like it was two years ago or three years ago when it was trash. And so they basically replaced the defensive coordinator with another dude on the staff. They've kind of revamped what they're doing. And even though they beat Rutgers last year, last week, something like 52 to 13, and Rutgers typically isn't any good, but Rutgers has been playing a lot better this year. Um, Greg Schiano's back being their coach. So they're, they're, they're a bad team, but they're a good bad team. And so it was a good win last week. Uh, I think they got Maryland. If they can take care of them in a convincing fashion, that'll be good before they play Penn State in two weeks. All right, Jack, this is the point of the program where we ask our guests, what are you streaming? What are you downloading? Could be a book movie, podcast, TV show, music. Uh, what recommendation do you have for, uh, for our listeners? 
Oh, well, so you caught me at a good time because I literally just got off a road from a, uh, I went to uh, Jackson, Mississippi to go do some work on uh, Jackson State and Deion Sanders. And so I was listening to a, uh, part of the way down there, I was listening to a book. Uh, and some of you may have already heard of this, so it wouldn't surprise me. It's called Relentless by Tim Grover. And it's, uh, he's basically the guy who was a personal trainer for Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, right. Dwayne Wade, and a few others. And I was reading it because um, in my life, I'm forever trying to get more mentally tough so that I can push through whatever adversities uh, come, come my way. And I really started trying to do that over the last few years because I've been laid off three times in the last four years, which is one reason I started my own business because I'm not laying myself off, I promise you that. And uh, I got tired of trying to figure out if I'm gonna get laid off because most people, most people who've been laid off, it ain't because your work ain't no good. It's because somebody don't want to pay you a certain amount of money or they want a bigger profit margin. You make too much money. So they say, if we get rid of you and these other people, then our profit margin will be good. So anyway, I've been reading a lot of books on mental toughness and how to fight through adversity. And um, I just started this one. So I'm only about three chapters into it, uh, but that's pretty good. And uh, streaming, you know, what's funny as I was, I was up late last night, couldn't go to sleep, and I started watching one of my favorite, I've watched one of my favorite movies, and then I was starting the other one when I passed out halfway through. And um, one of my favorite movies is uh, Gladiator. And so I watched that from start to finish for about the fifth time, never gets old. And then I don't know if you guys remember, now Marcus is probably too young. Uh, you remember, the, did you ever see The Professional? with uh, Jean Reno and uh, Natalie Portman. Oh, dude, it's fantastic, because he's, uh, basically he's a hitman, and her family gets murdered by these drug, by these crooked cops, and she tries, she wants to be a 10-year-old hit woman, and so it's all about the, the dynamics of their relationship. And um, anyway, I was watching, that's a great movie, and uh, I was watching that uh, halfway through before I passed out last night. All good ones there, uh, Jacques. Monica, I know you're you're uh, working hard, but you have, have you made any time to uh, download or stream anything this week? Uh, not not this weekend, but uh, this week. Uh, you know, we're kind of planning a special function with uh, FIFA and and some other um, members of our delegation. So we're looking for possible country local bands to play. So I've been downloading some local country music here <laughs> from Dallas. So uh, we'll see what we That's end great. up with. I'm not going to name any names because we haven't kind of decided what direction we're no, going in. No, that was just my vote. That Which, was my write-in vote. What's your write-in vote? Pat Green. Okay, yep. Pat Green's my write-in vote. All right, my download, a little, little lighter touch than, than Jacques with uh, mental toughness and assassination, <laughs> professional hit, hit, hit men and women. I'm going with a, a little funny show on Hulu called Only Murders in the Building. It's I've a heard about true this. crime pride, pride podcast takeoff. Uh, created by Steve Martin, also starring Martin Short. Pretty funny. Uh, not unbelievable, you know, five stars, but pretty funny. And it's a uh, uh, quick half hour episode. So that's mine this week. So, so uh, Jacques, thanks for, for joining us at another great show. What's your prediction for the Cowboys this weekend? Um, I think the Cowboys get it done. I'd say something like, um, let me see. I'm trying, to figure, I'm trying to match up all my predictions thus far. But I, I think I would say something like 31-20. All 
All right, we're going to write that down and remember it. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Aaron Colton, Braden Holpe, and Jean-Jacques Taylor. Thanks to our showrunner, Tony Fay, the Mic Drop production team, Daniel Whitelaw, Angela Lang, and Marcus Carr of Tony Fay PR, Mark and Jay at Vocal Media. And until next time, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>